Hey, everybody, it's Andrea. Before we start today's show, I have a super quick announcement to share with you. In May, my College to Career Academy will hold a series of live weekend boot camps to help graduating seniors as well as juniors who are confused about what jobs and careers they might want to pursue when they graduate. So imagine going from confused to confident with at least three different career options you'd be psyched to explore by the end of day one of the boot camp, and then learning the tools, tactics, and the strategies to find those jobs by the end of day two. The boot camp is live, and it's led by me over Zoom, and you can learn more about it at College to Career Academy. That's college, the number two, career dot academy. Or you can just look me up on LinkedIn and check out the featured section of my LinkedIn page. I can't imagine a better graduation gift for the college students in your life. Thanks so much for listening, and I know you're going to enjoy my next incredible guest. Hi there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for coffee the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Welcome back to another episode of T4C. If you'd like to learn more about how to become the Tasmanian devil of networking and start a podcast and write two books in your 20s, then this is the episode for you because my next guest has already written two nonfiction books and launched her podcast in June of 2020 and she only graduated in 2013. But before I introduce you to Grace Hong, I want to make sure you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. That's time for Coffee's weekly newsletter, and it comes out bright and early on Monday mornings, and it features dozens of different professionals who've worked in dozens of different industries. Just head over to the Time for Coffee website at time, the number four, coffee.org, and the sign up box is right there. Now, my Java lovers, please grab your mug and take a chug of your favorite caffeinated beverage because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my guest is Grace Gong, author of two books, one about entrepreneurship, the other about how to be a successful venture capitalist. Grace's first book is entitled The Last Key to Success, and it features 21 founders who appeared on the Forbes 30 under 30 list back in 2016. I know that's a lot of numbers. And her second book is entitled How to Be a VC, How to Be a Venture Capitalist. It showcases the interviews that Grace did with 22 investors who appeared on the Forbes Midas list. And these VCs have invested in companies like Facebook, Apple, Twitter, LinkedIn, so many marquee names. Grace is super passionate about learning and sharing the knowledge that she's learned from top founders and investors in Silicon Valley. She's not only done that in her books, but she does it on her podcast called The Smart Venture Podcast, where she's interviewed a who's who of CEOs and other C-suite executives in top 
tech companies. Grace, welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you caffeinated and ready to go? I am. Hey, here's my coffee. Yay. Cheers. Cheers. I love your energy. I'm not, I'm not just saying it on the show or anything, but I just really appreciate that you are so positive and you just have the most amazing energy too. You cheer people on in some way, I think. Thank you. Well, I love what I'm doing and I love meeting interesting people like you. So that lights me up. That really lights me up. It gives me energy. And I also love speaking to our young listeners and helping them to see all the possibilities that exist for them. And another reason I'm so excited, Grace, is that it is such a treat for me to get to speak with another podcaster and especially a young Chinese woman who is podcasting in English. As I mentioned to you before we started this interview, I studied Chinese in college and I lived in Beijing twice. I also lived in Taiwan once and I lived in Hong Kong as a kid. And still, I could never imagine feeling confident enough about my Mandarin to launch a podcast in Chinese. So seriously, huge kudos to you. For those who don't know Andrea's Chinese skill, I have to say it's 10 out of 10. I was not expecting her saying anything in Chinese. Her her Chinese skill is really just amazing. Oh my God. It is not amazing. It is not amazing at all. My language ability is so much worse now than what it was when I moved back from Beijing 20 years ago. But (laughs) so Grace, for those of our listeners who may not be familiar with your show, The Smart Venture Podcast, why don't we kick things off with you explaining just very briefly what it's about and why you started it in June 2020 in the middle of the pandemic? (laughs) I think when I created the show, I just pictured making the show for my younger self or even just for myself now. I think, well, for those listeners who don't know about the show, it is a show where I interview or have conversations with some of the really successful investors and tech leaders or some of the top entrepreneurs or operators in the world, in Silicon Valley specifically. I wanted to give people who same something similar to what you're doing now is I definitely want to give people who didn't have the access to be able to have conversations with some of these great leaders to pick their brain, the career growth, because a lot of the things that they may be sharing are just, I think, should be heard by many people who are early on in their career so they can take advantage of their opportunities. I just want to share what I've learned or what comes to me that I find valuable to people who are in similar situations or in a place that they may not be having direct access to these people. What have been some of your biggest takeaways, the biggest lessons that you've learned, anything that you think about weeks after you've done the interview where you're like, wow, I remember when so-and-so said this, and that kind of gives me the inspiration to keep going. 
one of the most memorable interview experience was I chatted with the former co-CEO of Chipotle a couple weeks ago. He is, one of his quality is he's such a humble guy. I want to ask him, who would you invite to your dinner party? Is that homeless people or people who work at Chipotle? And those really struck me because that's a guy who has everything, who are pretty much, I think he's one of the most successful businessmen out there. And he is still thinking about really just giving back. I think from our interaction, he is such a genuine person. I don't think he is saying it for the show because he had chatted with homeless people when he was younger, working at Diary Queen. Those are things that I just find amazing and super humbling. And I think those qualities not only make him a great person, but also make him a great CEO. He is able to listen to AAA employees and he is able to listen to everybody who works from on the most customer facing end to someone who is the decision maker. I think those are just whatever he was shared in my show. I just thought it was so meaningful. And it's such a great lessons for everyone who wants to be a good leader or who just want to be more successful or just people who wants to just listening to stories. I think everything in that episode was just blowing my mind. I keep thinking about how he thinks about things later on, even after I've done the interview. And those just takeaway, I guess, would be the humility, just being super authentic, doing things that people may not think is really mainstream or will rewards to you for more profit in a really short amount of time. I think it's just so many takeaways. I don't know how to sum it up in one sentence. No, it was beautiful, really beautiful. And honestly, one of the soft skills that I've heard over and over again that many of my guests have talked about that they value. So these are hiring managers saying what they value in the young people that they hire is the quality of empathy. Think about it. If you're trying to sell something, whether it's as a marketer, as a salesperson, as a communicator, you need to be able to relate to other people. And you need to be a team player who is sensitive to the needs and the feelings of other people, not just on your team, but in your company. So the quality that he's exhibiting is super important. I love that. So what was it that inspired you to start your podcast and to start it in the middle of the pandemic? Was it because you were thinking that you would be able to do interviews remotely, that you didn't need to leave your home in order to do them? I think there's a couple of thoughts goes into it. One is I've always been waiting for the opportunity to, I don't know if it's strike up on my own or I always know one day I'll create a business. And on the other hand, I do feel like there's just so many things that I wanted to learn before doing so, as well as I do want to share my learning journey with people that are sharing the same passion 
passion. So I guess writing books or doing a podcast or I think it really goes back to my younger self. When I was in high school, I created a campus English newspaper. And before that, when I was in elementary school, I was running the elementary paper. So I was really into these things. I didn't thought it was that big of a pivot. It's always been my hobby. And I wanted to share what I have learned to other people and getting feedback from them, learning from them or learning together, creating a community that we could grow together. So I always thought that was something meaningful. And I don't know if it will straightforwardly translate into a business or anything, but those are just I guess, started with a passion, I guess. (laughs) I totally understand. It was the same similar feelings that inspired me to start Time for Coffee. So I, I totally get it. We should let our listeners know, Grace, we're doing this interview at the end of December 2020. And today you have featured almost 50 episodes. And isn't it true you usually break them into two episodes, a part one and a part two? So have you interviewed about 25 guests that you've featured so far? How many would you say? I say maybe double, triple the number. At the beginning, I did have one full episode, but I figured many of our listeners are listening to it on the go or in the commute or doing some chores at home or a lot of them were working out. So they mentioned their workout session are 30 minutes. So I figured may as well just make them feel like they accomplished something with this podcast as well. So that's, well, I guess my secondary design. What is so exciting to me about what you're doing, Grace, is your incredible networking ability. And I'll be very honest, I would expect someone much older than you are to be able to secure the impressive guests that you've had. And I'm just going to list a handful of them for our listeners. You have interviewed the chief product officer at Weight Watchers, the former CEO, there we go, of Chipotle Mexican Grill, the man who's super empathetic, a VP at Google, a VP at Lyft, and the chief ethics officer at Airbnb. Now, I can imagine a lot of young people your age, Grace, being too intimidated to connect with these folks. And you not only connected with them, but you also interviewed them. Could you share how you did this? Yeah, totally. I think it has to go back to the comedy days. This is what goes into my mind about networking is not about networking is about it's going to sound cliche. It's about building uh, actual authentic relationships. When I like comedy, I would go to every single comedy show. We're talking about stand in line for five hours to wait until I can see Amy Poehler on some underground show in the middle of nowhere in New York. I guess it's not the middle of nowhere. It's a very central place, but it's underground. It's something that people always miss. In these bars around that area, after the show, I would hang with my friends, normally people who I would go together to stand in line to chat for five hours you instantly become best friend with everybody on the line. And we would go to a bar to hang out after seeing a comedy show. That was probably, I guess, 11 p.m. to 1 p.m. I would meet so many really interesting random people in life. There was famous TV stars or there were 
people who in business school or there were people, writers at Saturday Night Live, I was not really socializing with them. I was not there to socialize. I was just there to make friends. I was really just, I'm passionate about comedy. I want to be the next Lucy K or Woody Allen or something. So I was there to learn comedy. So our conversation would be about comedy. But in the end of the day, we are friends. And you will be surprised to have a hobby to go from somewhere that's people always overlooked. People would approach someone on LinkedIn. People would approach someone at a networking event. For me, I think the genuine hobby or genuine interest in something that's really not related to what you're doing is super important. If you're networking with people, people know that you're networking, but when you both share something in common, you have way more to talk about. They would talk about anything in their life. They're more comfortable with you. They're more likely to be the people who actually help you. I think I had the CEO of Meetup on my show and he mentioned that someone found two jobs in a bowling network than find someone, I believe this bowling network, I could get the detail wrong, but the general thought was someone find someone to help them with their career in a random career hobby meetup than a career meetup. So I do think that really resonate with me. When you start networking, instead of networking, you really just, I think I believe in serendipity. You just meet what you're looking for in the most unexpected place. I love that, Grace, because what you're saying is lead with your interests. So it's one thing to reach out to somebody on LinkedIn and say, hey, I see you're in such and such an industry. I'd love to talk with you about what you do. I love to talk with you about your career because I'm fascinated about that. As opposed to saying, hey, can we connect on LinkedIn because I'm looking for a job? Yeah. I think I listened to your interview with Scott Roberts, who is a both a guest on your show and my show. I think he said the similar things too about networking on LinkedIn. You just go straight up to someone to ask for a job. They may not really take you seriously and they it may do the opposite effect of seeing something genuine and specific up to the person, I believe. The second part I added, but the first part was, I think, what he said. <laughs> yes, yeah. but actually to your point, because I also saw your interview with the CEO of Meetup. And in that interview, you discussed actionable plans that listeners can take to elevate their network, how to cold call CEOs and create your career. Could you elaborate on that? In terms of cold calling to CEOs, I think it's a wrong approach in some way. I'm not disagreeing with what he did. I think what he did was brilliant. Life sometimes is a numbers game. You have to go quantity before go quality. That's for sure. I think the message I'm trying to convey is don't ignore people around you because those are people that in the end of the day, will feel how you feel, will treat you more seriously than people that are really way ahead of you. I think some of my friends gave me the most amazing advice. They're not necessarily like the CEOs of the Fortune 500s, but a lot of their advice, I, I could take it on right away. Then I have to process to think about what is the tactics I'm, I'm actually going to do. And 
these people are, if you have smart friends, I'm sure you are, if you're listening to this podcast, if you have smart friends, one day you guys are all going to go places and they would be more because you are growing with them. So they will be more inclined to help you, to treat you equally, to share experiences that you have shared and this bond will be stronger. Those are just my, some of my two cents. (laughs) I love that, Grace. And in fact, I agree with you. I personally would not cold call a CEO to get a job. I don't recommend that. What I think is far more valuable is what you just said. Think about the people who are your age and maybe three to five years older. I personally wouldn't reach out to people beyond that. I really wouldn't unless you're going now for people who graduated in 2008, 2009 during the last great recession because they're going to relate to you. And I'm specifically talking to college students right now. I would say look at people who graduated fairly recently who went to your school and If they didn't go to your school, I bet you can find out a way by looking at their profile on LinkedIn, by seeing if they have their own personal website or whatever it is, what your common interests might be. And they will be far more likely to return your phone call and share some insights, insights into their company, insights into their industry, and maybe open some doors for you than taking the time of a CEO. I think what you said is super right about people should be focusing on people that are maybe three to five years ahead of them. I think the meetup CEO, I have tremendous amount of respect for him. I think he's definitely a super smart guy. I think his approach definitely also works for some people. I just think you shouldn't only make friends with people that you think that you can instantly get something from just because it may backfire in some way. But I think you should make diverse set of friends who may able to relate to you, who may able to just actually bring you onto the game. Um, They'll grow with you. As you said, their careers are going to advance as your career advances. And before you know it, you're going to be in your 40s and you'll be a CEO. They'll be a CEO, whatever. You know, this is I think it is far a far better use of your time. However, Grace, I still need you to share with our listeners how you have managed to connect with the incredible list of professionals you've interviewed for your books and your podcast. How did you do it? What advice do you have for our listeners about how they can cultivate their professional networks? I think a lot of it is starting from where you are. Same advice goes to people that may want to just build a, I guess, a network around you. So I just mentioned about like having friends that are your age. I think the first book I wrote was just interviewing people that are on the friends or friend of brand level. They are peers. I didn't start with interview Max Zuckerberg or someone. I started with people I know. I just genuinely respect what they did and I genuinely wanted to learn from them. I think if you show that, people would be willing to chat with you as well as uh, many people are really open to share, especially in the podcasting world. If you have a friend that's just amazing college person, for example, he is in the lacrosse team or she 
has run a fashion club on campus, maybe she's just doing something amazing, then you can go to interview that person, start there. And maybe after that person, that person will introduce you to their friends or something like that. And you essentially build a network from there. So those are the advice that I would just give myself to start somewhere because the podcast is really my, I don't know, number 80 media project I've done since I was five. So I, you know, I've worked on my little newspapers growing up. I've worked on books. I'm doing, I did so many media related things. So it's not really yesterday I started this or anything. So I do think that small wins really will get you farther than just think, oh, tomorrow I'm going to be a billionaire. So I think that mindset is kind of terrible in both networking or career or anything. So I think just start somewhere would get you farther than you think. So what I said was your first book, The Last Key to Success, was not your first book. It was my first book, but I did have, you know, I mentioned the little English newspaper in my high school. I would interview people or I would get my friends to interview people that are really, quote unquote, successful in our school. Or we would talk about how we ran a little Taekwondo club or something. So those are little business journals for school people. And I was just saying, working on something that I have been familiar with, such as interviewing people or putting together a media product was not really the first day I started something. So I think if you really want to go down the route of creating relationships or doing media, it's not bad if you can just start with people you know, because you may be surprised by who you know or the information that you receive from that person. So let's talk about The Last Key to Success, which featured 21 founders who appeared on the Forbes 30 under 30 list. And I had to look this up, Grace. There are actually 600 young entrepreneurs every year who land on that list. There are 30 people per industry and there are 20 industries featured. So how many of the 600 people did you reach out to initially and how many gave you a response? I don't remember the exact number just because it's years ago, but I think the response rate was not low, but it was also not like everyone said yes. I think the moral of the story of you reaching out to someone, I think at the beginning in your career is absolutely numbers game. The more people you reach out to, of course, the more yes you got. I think just ignore the no's. I never take it personally just because I don't remember. I don't quite remember because it was a long time ago. I think most people will not say no to anything. But in general, the more of code calling is ignore the no and just take the yes. I didn't have that much trouble getting people on board just because I'm already first or second degree of people that on that list. I literally went to parties and saw people there. It's San Francisco. Everyone is somewhat accomplished and I got really lucky. I'm not going to deny that. But if you're starting from somewhere that not having many assets, then you should probably just go for the most likely to give you a yes person, maybe a second degree friends. I'm sure you may connect with like a friend of friend or someone with your school or someone worked at your social group. It's just very diverse. And I think no matter what industry you're in, I think just go with the yes. You don't really need to worry that much if people say no. Sure. 
Sure. I I would agree with that. Don't focus on the no's. But in terms of the 600 people on that list, do you remember, did you reach out to 100, 200, 300, just roughly? I definitely think it's in the hundreds, but I think my yes number or response number was also in the hundreds. So I don't remember what's a rate, but I don't think it's like that big of deal just because I didn't really want to. I think the number is just one indicator. I think actually getting stuff done is more important than how many you got. I think it's like similar to finding a job. It's not like how many job offer I applied and how many job offer I got or anything. It's really like, did I have that one job that I actually want and actually can learn from? I definitely think that's the more important thing to get a few really positive things than focusing on am I the most popular person in the room? Because at the end of the day is what you have done, what you have achieved, what you got from the opportunity, what you learned. So I don't see any downside on that. I totally hear you. I think what I'm trying to illustrate Mm -hmm. for our listeners, Grace, is that it's not as hard as they think. I'm not saying that it was easy, but it's not as mind blowing to do that. So you looked at the list. Did you go on to their websites to get their email addresses or did you reach out to them over LinkedIn? How did you connect with them to say, hey, I'm writing a book about this and I would love to interview you. I graduated three years ago, something like that. How did you find them? Actually, in parties, I literally met many people when I was at parties in San Francisco, I guess. I would meet someone at a house party and they may introduce me to their friends or I guess it was literally in my network. It was way easier when you kind of have a secondary connection with someone. They may more likely to say yes. If I were going to do it again, I would highlight that star with something warm. For example, you see you have a mutual friend, maybe ask the mutual friends to introduce you to that person. I definitely feel like everyone has a network that they don't see. It could be, for example, you study art and you could maybe look up alumni that who does something great, then maybe they would just take you on. I just think there's so many ways to go about it. And I definitely feel like having something warm is better than reach out bluntly, I guess. Yeah. So I- That's what I would do if I were younger. So what about some of these super impressive people that you've brought on your podcast? Did you have a warm introduction or a second degree connection or did you ever just go cold, cold email? I think to have the first book, actually, many investors, when I was doing my second book, people already met some of the founders that I've chatted with or some have some sort of connections. Or for the podcast, I again, I've been quote unquote, building the network for years in Silicon Valley. I did not start a podcast with zero people. I had people on my book for um, the podcast or stuff like that. So it was not cold call or anything. It was mostly to a degree that you have some sort of connection with them. What I love about that is that grace is building. It's as if it were a skyscraper right? So each layer, each step that she's taken, she's taking it up to the next level. This didn't just happen out of the blue. She's been very intentional in how she's done this. Grace, 
I want to flash back very quickly to when you were in college. You went to the University of Illinois and you got a BA in both communication and sociology. You were a double major. Did you know what you were going to do with that degree, with those majors, when you graduated? I don't think I know much. I just know I have the drive to start something at one point, but I didn't know what I was going to do. Me neither. Most of the people I've interviewed, I want to say 90% of us had no clue, Grace. So what was your first job and how did you get it? My first job was at a real estate finance company from China, and it was through Worm Introduction. And so that's the, I guess, the story. What about Chihu360, the second largest search engine in China? Yeah, that's an internship. And also through connections. So that's great. But when you were at Chihu, you spent two months as a business development intern and you were mentored by the president, which is amazing. Thank you. I did have one-on-one conversation with him, but I guess he, he was just really very insightful person. So from there, you went and you did another internship in business development in the entertainment and real estate investing in LA. And you did that for about seven months. Is that right? And from there, you got hired as a management associate at the Genzon Group, whose tenants in China included Microsoft and Tencent. And in San Francisco, their tenants included Amazon, Twitch, and Groupon, a bunch of others. What were your experiences there that you think helped you decide to write your second book? I think just getting exposure to many tech entrepreneurs, I'm really inspired by their energy on doing something creative as well as creating something really that doesn't exist in the past. And I find that really amazing. So Grace, two final questions for you. And I try to ask all time for coffee guests these questions. I'd like to ask you about a time in your professional life when you struggled and Believe me, I talk very openly in my podcast on various different episodes with different guests. The last reason that I'm asking this is to embarrass my guests. I have shared how I was fired twice in my 40s and how both of those experiences, while extremely painful, were amazing. And I'm incredibly grateful that they happened. So what I'd like to know is how you persevered through that challenging experience and if there was a lesson that you learned in the process. I don't have fired experience. I just had things that didn't work on my way. For example, I wanted to be a film director and I applied to film schools and got rejected. Those are some of the darkest days of my life. I thought it was over. I would never be with Ellen and stuff like that. But in the end of the day, I was really lucky that if I did got into any of the film school I applied, I may not be in Silicon Valley and I may not meet many of my closest friends or people that I really admire. Thank you so much for sharing that. It's not uncommon. And I've also had this experience in jobs to say, oh, you know, you get your heart set on a job and you don't get it. And you're thinking that was the perfect job. That would have been the perfect job. And you just feel like, oh my God, the world is collapsing. And then actually, 
and this has happened to me as well, a better job comes along, one that you like Mm -hmm. even more. And so it's so important to put it in perspective and certainly to feel that disappointment, which is Mm -hmm. real, and to feel that pain, which is also very real. But to remember that something good will happen to you, maybe even better than that other opportunity. Yeah, totally. I totally agree with you on that. Final question. If you could go back to college, go back to the University of Illinois and do it all over again, but based on the wisdom you have right now, what advice would you give yourself, Grace? I would probably get internships earlier because I was from a different country. I didn't know the importance of internship. And I've seen my friends who has successfully made many friends or meet many different people in way more early stage of my life. And I think that was really meaningful for their career and life. Grace's podcast is called the Smart Venture Podcast. If you're interested in checking out her books and buying them and learning from all of these incredible interviews that she's done, please check out show notes for this episode. We will link to all of them, to her podcast and her books. And if you want to learn how to break into writing in your 20s, The way that Grace has, check out show notes to see if her Espresso Shots episode has already dropped. Grace, I want to thank you so much for sharing your journey, for sharing your story, and for inspiring me. And I know you will inspire our listeners. Thank you so much. Thank you, Andrea, for being very thoughtful and then asking so many really just very thoughtful questions. And thank you for doing the podcast and creating a place people can learn and get inspired. Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much.